0: Well, this new year, we're beginning a new message series, which have been titled Prayer That God Answers, Prayer That God Answers. So as we think about that title, there are basically two types of prayers. There are prayers that God answers, and there's prayers that God doesn't answer. Now, what kind of prayers does God answer? Well, God answers prayers that are according to his will. And he doesn't answer prayers that are prayed not according to his will. That wouldn't make any sense, would it? For God to answer prayers that are not his will. But sometimes people think he should. But he doesn't. So in this series, we want to learn more about praying prayers that God answers. Prayers that get answers from God. And God himself desires for us to pray prayers that get answered. He doesn't want us to waste our time praying prayers that don't get answered and getting frustrated over it. Jesus said in John 16, 24, he says, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. So the first thing that Jesus tells us here is that we are to ask in Jesus name. What does that mean? Some people think, well, it simply means at the end of your prayer, you tack on the phrase in Jesus' name, amen, right? Well, that's not a bad thing to do, but to ask in Jesus' name is to ask for the things that he wants, the things that he desires, the things that are God's will, and when we receive the answers to our prayers as we pray according to God's will, then it brings joy to our hearts, it's, you know, it's receiving a gift from our Heavenly Father, and that is a a joyful thing. Now, can we ask for something that is God's will and still not receive the answer? Well, that is true. If we ask something that's not according to his will, we're never going to receive the answer. But if we ask according to his will, there may be times we don't receive the answer to our prayers. Now, why might that be? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew 21, 22, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And so there's a condition on receiving the things that we ask, even if they're according to God's will. We need to have faith. We must have faith that God is able to answer our prayers. We must have faith that God is going to answer the prayer that we are praying. If we don't have faith, even though we're asking in keeping with God's will, then our prayer won't be answered. And so in this series, we're going to learn more about praying prayers that God answers. Not only will that bring joy to our hearts, but it's going to cause God's kingdom to grow. And so today we're going to start off with the message that I've entitled, How to Pray. Like everything else in life of importance, prayer is something we can learn about. Prayer is something that we can grow in. A person can pray poorly and ineffectively or a person can pray according to God's word powerful and effective prayers the difference is not simply in praying the right words or saying it exactly right. The difference between an effective prayer and ineffective prayer is whether the prayer is answered prayers that are answered are effective prayers Prayers that are not answered are not very effective, are they? And so we want to grow, I might say, in our batting average, right? It's when we pray prayers that our average of answered prayers begins to increase, begins to go up. James 5:16 says, "Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful. And effective. So here we need actually. We see another condition right. It's a prayer of a righteous person. What's the opposite of a righteous person. It's an unrighteous person. So the prayer of a righteous person. Is powerful and effective. What does it mean to be righteous. Well if you're saved. If you're a believer. Then God has forgiven your sins. And you should be living. A righteous lifestyle. As you live according to God's word. Uh, You are righteous, your sins are forgiven, and you continue to live in that lifestyle. And your prayers will be powerful and effective. We also need to, we can learn to pray from studying God's Word. God's Word has a wealth of instruction on how to pray. God's Word also has a wealth of examples of prayers that are prayed. And the reason... For most of them, that they're in the Bible is because they're good prayers to be prayed. They're prayers for us to emulate, not necessarily to pray them word for word, but to learn from them. Luke 11, verse 1, Jesus' disciples it's asked Jesus about prayer. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So in this instance, Jesus was praying and his disciples were listening to him to pray. And they thought, you know, we won't, don't really know how to pray. We, we want you to teach us how to pray. And in essence, that was a prayer request done in person, right? They asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And guess what? Jesus answered that prayer request. It's God's will It was God's will for his disciples to learn how to pray. And it's God's will for us to learn better how to pray. And so that is a prayer that Jesus will answer. Lord, teach me how to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. And so this morning, I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 6 to learn some of the things that Jesus taught his disciples about prayer. He talked to them about prayer the content of their prayer, about praying with a, with a proper balance in their prayers. And Jesus taught a lot about prayer. We're just going to concentrate on the, some of the things that he taught in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. But in other, other verses that we're not going to look at, Jesus taught that prayer, effective prayer, was not just simply a matter of piling up a lot of words. It's not just a matter of counting how many times you pray a prayer and thinking the more times you pray that prayer, the more apt it is to get answered. How should we pray? Well, to answer Jesus' disciples' question or their question, Lord, teach us how to pray. Will you teach us how to pray? Jesus gave us, gave them and gave us an example prayer, which we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Now, this was not a prayer that you might think was a prayer that Jesus prayed. We have no record of him praying this prayer, but it was a prayer he taught his disciples about prayer through it. And Jesus' intention was not for his disciples to recite this prayer verbatim over and over again, it was a pattern prayer. It was a prayer to show us the kind of things that we can pray that will be in keeping with God's Word. It was also a prayer that illustrated for us the balance that we have in prayer, that we should have in prayer, of different aspects of prayer that should be part of our prayer life. The most common out-of-balance prayer is one in which we run down a list of all the things we want God to do for us. Now we're going to see that asking God to meet our needs is part of what our prayer life should be, but it's not the only thing. So Jesus taught us to begin our prayers, and there may well be an importance in the order of the Lord's Prayer, with worshiping the Lord. Matthew 6, verse 9, pray then like this. This is Jesus' answer to his disciples. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. And so our prayer should begin with lifting up our eyes to God to focusing on our Heavenly Father to see Him as our Father. And that puts us in a position, if God is our Father, what are we? We are His children. We are the children of a loving Father. And that should be our first thought. That should be our focus as we pray. In fact, I believe it should be a focus every time we pray We are a child of God looking to a loving, heavenly father, a good, good father. And we pray that his name would be hallowed. Now, that's not a word we use a lot, is it? Uh, What it means is that God and his name should be honored. God should be respected as being holy, that he should be treasured, that he should be loved. And of course, as we pray that prayer, it. It refers to ourselves, that we ought to worship Him. That we ought to hallow His name. And the prayer itself is that, hallowed be Your name. May, may Your name be hallowed by or honored by other people. May Your name be honored across this earth, around the world. We worship Him and we pray that others would worship Him. And so we begin Our prayers by looking to God in heaven and worshiping Him. Taking our eyes off our problems and looking to God, with whom all things are possible. He is the only one who has the solution to our problems. We're going to get to those in a minute. And next, we agree with God's will. And so we begin our requests, other than Hallowed Be Your Name is a a form of a request that God would be worshipped. We next turn to, in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now there are basically two types of wills in the world to really make things very simple. There is God's will, and there is basically, I would say, Satan's will. Those are the two wills that we have. And those two wills are diametrically opposed. Now, we as human beings have a will. We have choices that we make in our lives. But our choices are simply, are we going to align our will with God's will? Are we going to align our will with Satan's will? Now, oftentimes people think, well, there's all kinds of wills in between and all. Well, not if, if you're not following God's will, you're following what Satan wants you to do. You really only have two choices in life. If you choose to ignore God's will, if you choose to follow your own desires, then you're following the will of the evil one. And that's not we want, what we want to do. So in this prayer, we, we agree, we submit to God's will. Now, God's will is already being perfectly done in one place, in heaven. Why? There's no sin in heaven. There is nothing in heaven contrary to God's will. It is being done perfectly in heaven. And we are to pray that that will that is being done in heaven would come down to this earth, that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's really a pretty audacious prayer, is it not? Because right now, do we see only God's will being done on earth? Not by a long shot, right? In our own lives, do we see only God's will being done? Well, hopefully more than the other will, but we still all have a ways to go, don't we? Now, oftentimes when people pray this prayer, they think of way off in the future when Jesus returns. And I believe there is that aspect to this prayer. That God's will will be done perfectly on earth as it's done in heaven when Jesus returns. And that's our hope. That's our great hope. But this prayer does not just deal with the future. As we see in the ministry of Jesus, it deals with the here and now as well. God's kingdom is is God's will in and through his kingdom, is increasingly being done on this earth through believers, through God's church. And that is what we are to pray would happen more and more. The kingdom of God comes when God's will is done in our lives, when God's will is done in our church, when God's will is done in our city, when God's will is done in our nation. And so our life, as Jesus taught elsewhere, should have the highest priority of seeking God's kingdom first. And what that means is what Jesus told us to pray right here, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we agree with God's will, then we're ready to request finally what we usually start with, right, that our own needs would be met. That's normally the way we start our prayers. God, you know, I need this. God, I would like this. God, I'm having trouble here. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Six simple words, but there's a lot packed into them. God is the only one who can meet our needs. Our needs are represented here by our daily bread. And that also gives us a a, uh, more than a hint, it gives us an instruction of how often we are to pray. We are to pray at least daily, right? Give us today our daily bread. The things that we need for today. We need to ask God for those things. Spend time with Him daily. And the needs that we ask God to give to us must be things that are in keeping with His will. They ought to be things that will bring His kingdom or His will to be done in our lives. As it is being done in heaven. And that eliminates the the wants. The want prayers that we often. So often pray. God I, re- I really want this. But we usually say I need this. But we don't really need it. We want it. And if it's not according to God's will. Those prayers are not answered. And we get frustrated. Now there is one thing we can learn from unanswered prayers when God says no it's that we need to realize that that prayer was not according to his will and so we don't need to ask that again uh, or at least at that time it's not according to his will and so we can learn from prayers that aren't answered and we can adjust our prayers to better align with God's will and that brings us to the next aspect of prayer As confessing our sins. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So what are our debts? Our debts are sins. They are actions and attitudes that are not according to God's will. And so we ask God to forgive those things on a daily basis, at least. And when we pray for forgiveness, we are not to pray Generally, God just forgive all my sins of today, yesterday, tomorrow. I'm done. I don't have to do it again. Now, we need to pray specifically the things that the Holy Spirit convicts us of. God, please forgive me for, and we fill in the blank. Are the specific things that God convicts us of? And the point is not to confess the same sin day after day. The the purpose of God is that we accept God's forgiveness, we repent, we turn away from that sin and we don't do it again or we do it less and less now if you pray and you're having trouble thinking of any sins because you've lived such a perfect life you might ask God to give you more of a gift of discernment, a gift of conviction, Uh, perhaps some of the things that you think were right, perhaps were not so right, or maybe you have selective amnesia about the things you did wrong, uh, and perhaps ask somebody that knows you, Uh, they might, maybe your spouse, and they'll probably be able to tell you some things that you could confess, Or a close friend. So there's always things that God wants us to confess. Ask for his help. That we can grow closer to him. Now this phrase in the Lord's Prayer. There is a part that we tend to forget. And that's the last part of it. Forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us. As we forgive others. Now, you know, for a lot of people, it's like, that doesn't really make sense. Why should how I treat other people have anything to do with how God forgives me? But that's what Jesus says here. And in case we don't truly understand that, Jesus goes on in verse 14 and 15 to elaborate what he means by this phrase in the Lord's Prayer. He says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus makes it very clear that our forgiveness is dependent on us forgiving other people. And so unforgiveness is not an option for a follower of Jesus Christ. We must forgive others in order to be forgiven ourselves. And everything that God wants us to do, He gives us the strength to do. So if God says you need to forgive everybody, then He'll give us the grace to forgive. And when we forgive others, it doesn't mean we're saying, hey, whatever you did was okay. It doesn't mean that they're not consequences to the things that they've done. It doesn't mean we're saying, God's going to let you off the hook. It means that we forgive them. We are not going to hold it against them. We're going to let God deal with the situation. And so, as believers, we should never say, I cannot forgive this person. God can help us to forgive. We need to forgive so that we can be forgiven. And finally, we submit to God's protection in verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, In other places, God's word promises that God will not lead us into a temptation that is more than we can bear. That is more that we can stand up to. For for example, God won't allow us to be tempted in an area that we cannot resist that temptation. He's always there to help us. He's always there to give us the strength. And so the petition, lead us not into temptation, is... Simply asking God to fulfill that promise. God, don't lead me into anything that's more than I can bear. Give me the strength to resist any temptation that comes into my life. Deliver me from evil. Some translations say the evil one. Of course, all temptation comes from Satan, comes from the evil one. And God wants to deliver us from the tactics, from the temptations that each one of us faces faces from time to time. Well, really, faces daily. Jesus Himself was tempted by Satan. He taught us how to resist temptation, and how did Jesus do it? Through God's Word. He combated the temptations of the evil one through the Word of God. And so, this request for God's protection follows our confession of sins. As we, if we don't confess our sins, it's, it's. Uh, going to be difficult for God to protect us if we've got sin in our lives, but as we confess our sins, as God forgives us, and then he protects us from future temptation, we need protection from God to repeat, uh, to not repeat the sins that we've just confessed, and so the Lord's prayer gives us an outline, an outline of a balanced prayer, an outline of things that we should be praying on a at least a daily basis. Worship. Agreement with God's will. Our request for our needs. Confession and seeking God's protection. Now, Probably most of us have the Lord's Prayer memorized, right? I mean, we probably could say it uh, pretty close, depending on the translation, of course. Different translations have the words slightly differently. And we can use it as an outline in our prayers. Oftentimes, I will pray a phrase in the Lord's Prayer, and then I will fill it in with the things that directly apply to my life. And then I will go to the next phrase. And then I will, you know, we could go through it. We don't have time to go through everything. But, uh, you know, hallowed be your name. I begin to worship God. I begin to praise him and, and take some time doing that. And then we would go down the next one, come to the confession of sins, confess our sins, then go down to the protection. And as you do that, it's not the only way to pray, but it certainly is a a good way to pray. And it will be helpful, especially for you if you tended to only pray one aspect of the Lord's prayer uh, in your daily prayer before. Learning to pray with proper balance. And next, Jesus teaches us as we go on in the chapter about the practice of fasting. He wants us to fast with proper motives. So, oftentimes, and I've done this, I've preached a sermon on the Lord's Prayer. This was a kind of a brief summary of the Lord's Prayer today. But we often neglect Jesus' instructions on fasting. And so, prayer and fasting go together, they complement one another. Fasting makes prayer more effective, and more powerful. Fasting is really somewhat of a forgotten practice to our own detriment. So what is fasting? Well, fasting is simply abstaining from food for a period of time for spiritual purposes, for the purposes of prayer. Fasting was commanded in the Old Testament. As we'll see, it's really commanded by Jesus. It was practiced by Jesus. It was practiced by his disciples. It was practiced in the early church. And it's something that we should do as well. Now, Jesus gave us some instructions about fasting in the verses following the Lord's Prayer. verse 16, he says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So earlier in this chapter, we didn't look at it, but Jesus taught that people ought not to pray for other people's attention. To only pray so other people could hear and you would be seen as a a righteous person or a holy person because you prayed. That's what many of the people in the the Pharisees did in Jesus' day. And when Jesus began teaching about prayer, in verse 5, you can read that on your own in chapter 6 of Matthew, he began and he said, And when you pray... Now, when Jesus uses that phrase, and when you pray that's that's an implicit command. Uh, he's expecting his disciples to pray, and when you pray, guys, I don't have to tell you to pray, you know you, you better pray, and when you pray, this is how you do it. Prayer is not an option for a follower of Jesus, and Jesus told, as I said, not to pray for man's attention, now beginning in verse sixteen. Jesus turns his attention to fasting. And how does he begin? He says, and when you fast. That's another implicit instruction, implicit command. He's expecting his disciples to fast. And when they fast, they ought to do it this way. And so fasting is something I believe that every believer should do in conjunction with their prayer. Fasting is not to be done to receive man's attention, to impress other people. How, how is it to be done? We are to fast for God's reward. Verse 17. But when you fast. In fact, he repeats it twice here now. It's just in verse 16. When you fast. And he repeats it again in verse 17. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. In other words, there's no reason we shouldn't. We're commanded not to go out of our way to look, oh, I'm fasting today. It's so hard. I, I don't know when I'm going to eat again. And it's not something that we are to announce, to let other people know we're so holy because we're fasting. Fasting is prayer should regularly be done in secret. It should be done uh, in secret where other people aren't noticing. Now notice the promise at the end of this verse. It says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. That's a pretty good promise. I'd like to be rewarded by God for the things that I do. What is the reward for prayer with fasting? Well, Jesus doesn't tell us, but I believe the reward is answered prayer. I believe when we pray with fasting, it's going to increase the number of prayers that get answered. There is a purpose to fasting. So let's talk a little bit more about fasting and prayer. As we said before, fasting is simply abstaining from food for a period of time. I wouldn't encourage any of you to go on a 40-day fast. Uh, Most of us would not survive that. But fasting is is, uh, abstaining from food for perhaps a meal during a day, maybe a whole day, or several days. God will direct you what he wants you to do. The purpose of fasting is to humble yourself. If you fasted before, what happens when you fast? Number one, you feel hungry, right? And if you fast for more than a little while, you might feel a little weak. You don't quite feel yourself. You feel more dependent on God. You don't, you feel, uh, you're humbled, the Bible says, when you fast. When we fast, we, in the Bible, we see people fasting for specific reasons, fasting for specific breakthroughs that they wanted. I don't have time to go into all those, but if you need a prayer breakthrough, it's a time to fast, a time to seek God. Fasting supercharges prayers, I believe. It often leads to prayers being answered that have been prayed for a long time and you haven't seen them answered yet. So as we're beginning this new year in 2022, I'm calling the our church family to participate in 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, beginning tomorrow. We're going to be joining hundreds of other Assembly of God churches in southern Missouri for these 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, let me make it clear, fasting is a little different than dieting, okay? I mean, there's some similarities. <laughs> Not eating, right? Not eating so much. But fasting is, when you fast, you want to take time to pray. It's fasting and prayer. So just because um, you're not going to eat any more Christmas cookies, um, that's maybe not a bad thing to make as a New Year's resolution. But fasting is, if you skip a meal, you take that time that you normally would have prepared and eaten the meal to pray. You, You take that time to pray and to seek God. As you are hungry, it's not a bad thing. It humbles you, increases your awareness of God. Increases your dependence on God. And so I'm not going to tell you what you should fast. You need to ask God. You need to look at your own physical condition. Or any medical conditions you might have. Whatever. But uh, I believe there's a way that you can fast. In a way that's pleasing to God. And is going to help you uh, in your prayer life. So what are our goals in these 21 days of prayer and fasting. Beginning tomorrow. Our first goal is as individuals and as a church family, I believe is to grow closer to God. We want to grow closer to God in this year than we were last year. And prayer and fasting can help with that. I would describe that goal as personal and church revival. Our prayers would be that God would would stir up and revive His presence in our lives, that we would grow closer to Him, that our church would grow closer to Him. Our second goal is that God would use us to bring revival to other people, to our relatives, to our workmates, to our neighbors, to the city of St. Louis, that God would bring revival in us and bring revival through us. To help us focus on our prayers, uh, our prayer and fasting in these 21 days, we'll be sending out a daily guide via email uh, beginning tomorrow and it will have a a short um, teaching about prayer and fasting with some scriptures that will help you each and every day to focus on what God has for you that day. And so if you're a a regular attender and we have your email, you should begin receiving your first email tomorrow around 8 a.m. if everything works, (laughs) if technology works properly. If, uh, If we don't, have your email, uh, you can text uh, the word 21 days to our number, and this is all in your bulletin, 636 uh, 442 It's in your bulletin as well. Uh, if It's not going to hurt if you're not sure if we have it or not. You won't get it twice if things work right. <laughs> uh, you only get it once, so it's not going to hurt, but um, if you're a regular attender and we have your email, you should receive it. If you don't receive it. Email tomorrow, then um, you we probably there's a a glitch and uh, you, you'll need to sign up. So whenever you sign up, the, the uh, if somebody signs up later, uh, the, the whole sequence will start from the day they sign up. Uh, so anyhow, don't want to get into all the details of that. But I believe that as we begin this new year, 2022, for these 21 days, so we set that time aside. For prayer and fasting, seeking God in a special way during these next three weeks that God is going to honor that, we have the promise of Jesus as we fast God is going to reward that that 's a good thing. God is going to reward each one of us God is going to reward our church family god's going to work miracles in your life god's going to make work miracles in your family god's going to work miracles in our church, and I believe god 's going to work Miracles in our city. Now, clearly, we're not the only church that's going to be praying and fasting, so that's a good thing. So, we're joining with other believers that are praying and fasting as we come into this new year in our city, in our state. So, I really can't wait to see what God's going to do as we seek His kingdom first. And so, God wants us to learn to pray powerful and effective prayers. He wants our prayer batting average of Answered prayers to increase. So today we've looked at some of Jesus' teaching on prayer. Uh, prayer is not just a matter of saying the right words. We must have a proper heart attitude behind our prayers. We are... We are. Prayer is building a relationship with our Heavenly Father. We're going to be talk uh, in future messages about... Well, in fact, next message about hearing God speak to us. So it's not just a one way thing. Uh, It's a two-way thing in which we hear from God and we pray back to Him the things that we hear from Him. And of course we hear from Him from His Word and hopefully we've heard from His Word this morning. That's going to help us pray more powerful and effective prayers as we build our relationship with Him. And I believe that as we follow Jesus' instructions, when you pray, when you fast, as we Begin that in this year, 2022, that God is going to reward that. He's going to honor that. And we're doing that seeking his kingdom first. Seeking his kingdom first for our lives, for our families, for our church, for our city. And as we pray for revival, God's kingdom to come, that's what revival is. God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to see miracles happen that we wouldn't have seen if we hadn't prayed. I believe that with all of my heart. Now, to have this relationship with God that we're talking about, with prayer is part of that relationship—conversing with God, talking to God, hearing from God. To have a relationship with God, we need to uh, to enter into that relationship. We need to do three things. If you're watching online, you have not made a relationship are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, to have that relationship, you need to admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things, that God's will is, has not been done in your life as it is in heaven. You asked for Jesus to forgive you. You believe that Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty for your sin, that you might be forgiven. You rose from the dead and you commit yourself to following him as your Lord and Savior. Let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. And at the beginning of this new year of 2022, it would not be a a bad thing to. For all of us to recommit our lives to Jesus Christ. So whether you're praying for the first time or recommitting your life, let's pray together. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've. Gone my own way. Things in my life that are not according to your will. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Come into my life. I believe in you. I believe you rose from the dead and are alive today. And I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. Father, this morning, we thank you for what you've taught us through your word about prayer. And we commit ourselves to learning, to growing, to pray more effectively and more powerfully in 2022 than we did in 2021. We ask that you would help us to pray with proper balance, that you'd help us to pray every aspect of the things that you've taught us to pray. May we pray according to your will. We, may we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our lives, in our church, in our families, in our city, as it is in heaven. And as we pray, may we pray it with faith, believing that as we pray, things are happening, that you are moving. Father, we ask that you forgive us for neglecting to fast when we pray. And God, we pray that you'd help each one of us during these 21 days to put into practice the things that you've taught your disciples and you are teaching us to do. We look forward to what you're doing in our lives as we learn to pray your way. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.